Bibles and to open them to um, Luke 17, verses 20 to 37, which is on page 1051 of the Church Bible. Um, And the reading is going to be um, done via video on the screens behind me. Chapter 17, verses 20 to 37, the coming of the kingdom of God. Once, when being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is, or There it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day of Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night two people will be in one bed, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together, one will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, Where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. I'm Caleb Pepiat, for those who don't know me. I'm 15, uh, so this is my first year in download, and I'm going to be leading tonight alongside Abby. This evening is very special, as we are blessed with not just one, but two talks by two very lovely speakers. In between those two talks, we're going to be having a discussion time, where, you'll be pleased to know this, our amazing team of downloaders are going to be giving you cake. So we have a lot to look forward to there. (laughs) I'd like to welcome up Anna and James, our two speakers today. Let's pray for them. God, thank you for these wonderful people you've made. I pray that you'd give them the words and us the ears that we'd be able to hear from you directly, Lord, your message that you want for all of us. I pray, Lord, that we'd be able to listen, learn, and practice your kingdom in our lives. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to start with a video, so if you could play that, that would be great.
un toque, un toque. Toma, un dos. Seguidor, seguidor, un dos. Más o menos. ¿Quieres dar el número de teléfono? Un caño. ¡Uy! Cansancio, eh. Ya, un dos. Wow. Oh, vez, de cabeza. Cabeza. Mostra o que sabes fazer, dribles. Assim. Uh. Uh, uh. Toma, toma. Está bem. Muito bem. Igor, um minuto. Como te chamas? Nicolás. just saw the footballer Cristiano Ronaldo who can be argued to be the king of football's identity was hidden among the crowds around him. This reflects the situation Jesus was in in the passage as his true identity was not recognized by many who were just a couple of steps away including that of the Pharisees. If you haven't yet could you open your Bible to the passage Luke 17 verses 20 on page number 1051. In verse 20, the Pharisees are asking Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? But first, have you ever thought about what is the kingdom of God? Well, a kingdom typically um, requires a king, a law, and subjects, of which, in God's kingdom, Jesus is king. Furthermore, Jesus replies to the Pharisees that the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. 
This is completely contradictory to how we the, and the Pharisees would have viewed a kingdom. And with this title, we can visualize the heralding of trumpets, magnificent steeds, extravagant palaces, and all the glamour that comes with. The Pharisees also did not see Jesus for who he was, and as he did not fit into the persona of a king that they were expecting. In their minds, Jesus didn't act like a king, look like a king, or have the company and status that a king would have. They wanted and were expecting a conquering hero who was going to be like that of King David and his armies in the Old Testament, or perhaps someone like Alexander the Great who would destroy nations and anyone who stands or stood in the way of letting the Jewish nation become great again, like that of the Roman oppressors at that time. And so this and the Pharisees' arrogance blinded them from the truth standing literally right in front of their faces. Just like the situation where Ronaldo was hidden from those around him. Though on a completely different scale, like Jesus was and is, king of all kings, who created the stars in the sky, and has authority over all heaven, who came to earth to usher in his kingdom. Jesus is not a conqueror of nations, but of people's hearts, unlike what everyone was expecting. This was shown how he acted towards others, as he accepted those around him of whom were rejected in the society of that day. An example of this is the Samaritan woman in John 4, who was both an outsider in gender and culture. The lepers in Luke 17, who were considered unclean to touch and were shunned from most cities. And that of tax collectors, who were considered traitors, as they were serving the Roman Empire, and as they cheated their neighbors by taking profits for themselves. Imagine what these people would look like in today's societies, who are shunned or neglected by others. An example could be like when someone new comes in the middle of term at school, maybe in church, or even in the workplace, and as excluded as everyone else seems to belong in their particular groups or circles. There are other reasons for, being, um, for feeling excluded, such as being of a different class, background situation, or even to a degree their personality, as if they're quiet or shy, and people automatically assume that they don't want to be talked to, and therefore are easy to neglect. Do you ever find that you exclude people unintentionally or maybe intentionally? But Jesus broke this divide and discrimination when none were excluded in his eyes as he reached out to those around him and those who were not in cities or popular meeting places. Jesus' character was also shown through what he said and what he told others to act and treat another, all of which encompasses what it is like to live in the kingdom of God, like that of loving the Lord God, loving one another, and loving your enemies, even those who you might find irritating on a Monday morning, to forgive and not to judge, and many more. But what does this mean for us today? Well... In Colossians 1 verse 13, it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins.
And so, through Jesus' death and resurrection, that was hinted in verse 25 in this passage, that that we have already been brought into the kingdom of the Lord Most High. And Jesus has called us to follow him and follow his example, to live and proclaim his kingdom just as he did. And as a result, we're asked to truly love and serve the Lord God above all else, living out every day for his kingdom and glory. But can we really live like Jesus did? who is the complete and ultimate model for our lives. The one we look to so we can become more like? The answer is yes, but we cannot do this on our own or by our own strength. In verse 21, Jesus states that the kingdom of God is in our midst. And it was for the Pharisees as Jesus, the almighty golden man, was standing right in front of them. But the kingdom of God is also among us today, right here and right now. And this is through the Holy Spirit, which in John 14 says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This peace, which is beyond all understanding, is also accessible to every one of us today through the Holy Spirit and is given if we ask in Jesus' name. This can be for tonight if you have upcoming deadlines for tomorrow or or if there's a stressful situation in the workplace or your home life. For tomorrow when you go out and through those situations or any other times that you ask in Jesus' name and it will be given to you. And so we're not alone, but furthermore, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Philippians 2 verse 13. And through the Spirit, we are called not just as subjects, but as sons. God sends the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, and the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. Galatians 4, verse 6 to 7. We cannot do any of this in our own strength, but with the heavenly Father who loves us more than we could ever imagine and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I believe we truly can. And so don't underestimate the impact of the kingdom of God itself in your life. Jesus explains this impact in the parable of the mustard seed in Luke when Jesus asks, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. This dramatic growth is echoed in the story of Billy Graham. As it was one significant moment when Billy's friend, Albert McMacken, encouraged this curious but skeptical teenager to go along to one of his preacher's talks and topped it off by allowing him to drive in his dairy truck. This was the turning point that started Billy's road to becoming a Christian. 
And as a result of him coming to faith, Billy Graham has directly talked to 215 million people all around the world. And this has reached over 2 billion over the broadcasts of his talks during his lifetime. This shows how even just a small action for the kingdom of God, just as Albert did, grows in ways we cannot even comprehend. And therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving uh, for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what, we, what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 18. And that is his kingdom, which he's calling us into right here, right now. Though being part of his kingdom is not and will not always be an easy thing, as there are both costs and challenges when living a life form with Christ. But I want to encourage you that we have the Holy Spirit with us and in us, and are with the Almighty God in his power every step of the way, and with him nothing is impossible. And so, what do you see in Jesus? Is Jesus the king of your heart? Thank you. Thank you very much, Anna. Um, We are now going to be moving into a time of discussion um, where we're going to discuss what we have heard um, for around 10 minutes. So if you'd like to get into small groups of around four to five, um, please don't worry, please move the chairs. Um, And I have three questions for us to discuss, which will come up on the screens behind me. So the first question is, how would you explain what it is like to live in the kingdom of God? The second question is, in what ways do you think you are trying to save your life? And thirdly, In what ways do you think you are losing your life for the kingdom of God? So let us discuss. Let us um, draw our conversations uh, to a close. So we would uh, we'd love to hear, um, which one would you like me to use? Uh, so we'd love to hear um, some of your conversations that you've been having. So Caleb is going to run around with the microphone um, and we're going to share okay. our feedback. So would anyone like to share with us what they have um, been discussing? Um, we were talking about how, um, for me, when I first became a Christian for myself, um, being part of the kingdom of God, um, I experienced a lot of freedom. Um, a lot of that freedom was based on um, knowing I had to live a God, li- knowing I had to live a life um, to please God as opposed to living to please other people. Um, yeah. That's Great. We were talking a little bit about the fact that living in the kingdom of God is not easy 
And where did we start? We started with the temptation of Jesus in the desert. And the final temptation was um, the devil said, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world if you bow down and worship to me. Jesus didn't go, nah, you can't do that, mate. They're not yours because they are the devils. Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul. And so actually living in the kingdom is bringing God and Christ not only to your heart but into the world. So it's actually quite challenging because it's different from what's around us. So sometimes, and we talked about new wine, it can be a wonderful experience and we experience the kingdom of God or when we see lambs in the field and we look at creation. But a lot of the time, living in the kingdom is almost warfare because what's around us is not the kingdom of God. God wants to bring his kingdom into it through us. Very good. Thank you. Um, oh, Simon's got something to share. Um, we were just talking a bit about... Um, you, when you live in a kingdom, you live the king's way. Um, and uh, I guess because that's just the law, those are the rules. But what's cool about the kingdom of God is you live the king's way because you're in relationship with the king, which is different from most kingdoms. Thanks, Simon. <laughs> um, and would one more group like to share what they were discussing? One more. Um, oh, yeah, Mike. Um, so we thought that uh, if we were going to explain what the kingdom of God was like, we'd be talking about kind of God stuff that might be going on. So where it, what, what's going on in the kingdom of God is God stuff. And when we talk about what that might be, so the fruits of the spirit and that sort of stuff. Thank you. Thank you all so much for sharing. Um, I'd like to invite James up and James is going to um, continue in expanding the passage for us. Will return. No. Most of the time, I don't live like it either. I know that I've put video games before God many times. More times than I'd like to admit. admit. But Jesus calls us to live differently, to live for him. So let's take a look in the passage. In the passage, Jesus is telling us that his kingdom will return and it will be obvious to everyone. In Luke 17, verse 26, on page 1051, Jesus gives us examples from the Old Testament, such as Noah and the flood and the destruction of Sodom, where God had rained down on earth before. It says in verse 26, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Their lives were so normal, ordinary people doing ordinary things, as we do today. And in verse 30, Jesus tells us, that it will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. So I bet that when the kingdom comes, people will be working overtime shifts at work, begrudgingly going to school, arguing with their parents about insignificant things, scrolling through social media. The point is that life will be so ordinary. But then the power, the might, the wrath of God will reign upon the world. Like a lightning strike, 
he will return. Every eye will see and every knee will bow to our king. Our lives will be changed as the people's lives in Sodom were, like those living in the days of Noah. But the good news is that when this kingdom comes, we will be saved. If we look at ourselves and give our lives to God, we can be rescued from this wrath. We will rejoice in heaven with our saviour. God, as he did to Lot and Noah, will deliver us from his might if we trust him to do so. But do we trust God? In verse 30 to 33, Jesus tells us, on that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down and get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. So we must think, what are the things in life that we're trying to hold on to that's keeping us from God? It may be relationships, self-image, material possessions, morals or values. I think of it as Gollum in Lord of the Rings. If you haven't seen it, uh, Gollum is a character who treasured this ring. He cannot give it up, and in the end, he dies in a volcano trying to hold on to it. So are we like Gollum? Are we holding on to something we know we, in the end will kill us? We must be willing to give it up for God. If you wouldn't call yourself a Christian today, what does this mean for you? It means to repent. It means to believe. It requires us to step off the throne of our lives we arrogantly lounge upon and to ask Jesus to take our place, to take control of our lives. If you don't know whether you're ready to commit yourself to God, or if you don't know how to repent or what to believe, I encourage you to come find me or any other tr trustworthy Christian you know and talk to them about committing yourself to God. For believers, it tells us how we should not be complacent, living as if there won't be a day when Jesus returns, thinking, oh, well, I'll be dead before then, because no one knows when or how he will return. All we know is he will bring might, destruction, and glory. He can save us from this destruction if we're ready to give ourselves to him. As it states in verse 33, if we try to save our life, we will lose it. And if we're prepared to give our lives up to God, we can save it. So I ask you, how will you live to prepare for Jesus' return? Thank you, James, for that very challenging question. Are we living, and how can we live, as if Christ were to return at any moment? Well, one way we can do that is through worship. And as our band comes up, um, well, we're going to be moving into a period of extended praise and worship now. Um, we encourage you and invite you to worship however you like, whether that's through singing, through talking to God, or if you're feeling particularly artistic today by writing or drawing your prayers out on the paper we have up front. Um, but one thing I instruct all of us to do is to, get, to dedicate this time to the Lord. We may feel distracted, we may want to talk to someone else, but he deserves our attention and he deserves this time. So focus on him. Father, we thank you that all we have and are comes from you. As we offer these gifts and ourselves back to you, 
We ask and ever use for your glory and the growth of your kingdom. It has been absolutely brilliant to see you all with us. Thank you so much for coming um, and worshipping with us. I really hope that you enjoyed yourself. Um, it would um, be really incredible to see this community in action, young and old. So we'd really love it if you would spend time talking to people who you have um, not met before and doing um, what we call in download is cherishing. Um, also, it would be really helpful if you could put your Bibles back on the shelves um, at the back of church as you leave. And we would love for you to stay for tea and coffee afterwards. So let me say a final blessing. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, be among us and remain with us always. Amen. Just before we go, how blessed have we been this evening? Haven't these guys been absolutely fantastic? I think, uh, I think we're going to have some more download-led services, maybe every week now. <laughs> give, us, give us a rest. But no, thank you everyone for coming, and uh, yeah, please do stay and have some community time and have teas and coffees after the service. Thank you.